Welcome to Rebel Health Radio, bringing the best in alternative and integrative medicine to your ears. Hi everyone, it's Patricia Warby, Alchemy Therapies here and a warm welcome. You can see the weather is uh, improving, luckily, in the UK, hence my usual 15 layers. Uh, I'm reduced to a moderate two today, so <laughs> which is a good thing. And today I want to talk about identity which has been coming up a lot and the nature of belonging as well because we often put the two together we say that we belong because we have a certain identity you know we're part of the working population or we're part of the retired population or we're male or female or perhaps we might think we're something in between um but i do believe that's a, a rare occurrence actually so is it that the identity is primary or is it the construct and the nature of believing ourselves to be expressing ourselves authentically. And I believe it probably is more to do with the label that you put onto yourself to make sure that you feel like you belong. And I think belonging is one of the key drivers to why people latch onto certain identities. I know when I was growing up um, and when I hit puberty, suddenly all the sort of ways I thought about myself were shattered because supposedly I was supposed to become like other girls and I didn't feel I wanted to be like other girls. I didn't want to be interested in the things they were interested in. I didn't particularly want to dress the way they did or like the things they did. I certainly felt other growing up. I didn't think of it that way, but I felt like an outsider um, on the periphery, if you like, of mainstream society. And when I looked around me, you know, the kinds of um, music people liked, the things they did. I was I was always a bit alternative. And, and, and so it wasn't till I suppose I hit about 17 or 18 that I started to think maybe I wanted to express myself differently. Maybe I wanted a different identity. And university gave me that opportunity. And, um, you know, I discovered my sexuality was not straight, for instance. But that wasn't an easy decision, and it certainly wasn't one that I was encouraged to make via my peers, which is what happens now when people come out as trans or whatever. Um, it was actually against most people's wishes for me. It was certainly a very difficult decision, a very challenging time, actually, because there was a lot of shame around that. And I think I, I felt that that was very distinct from my perhaps presentation my body state because I didn't feel male I, I felt uh, a very much a woman so for me gender and sexuality were very separate I never felt uh, body dysmorphic for instance I'm so glad I didn't um, I did have a lot of um, shame around my body uh, as particularly as it changed and I wanted the ease of uh, what I'd had before I hit puberty, you know, where boys and girls weren't that different. What puberty seems to do is it magnifies the sexual differences, obviously, but also differences in the strength and musculature and obviously voice and facial structure. And it makes girls, I think, feel perhaps lesser than in some ways, unless they're prepared to fit in with what other girls are doing and and so we're peer-led at that age particularly girls are um, we will look towards what others are doing and saying and we will try and mimic that and that can become a very restricted identity because there are such um, there are so, so many ways of uh, expressing 
femaleness. You know, you can be a very a, a pretty uh, feminine young woman, or you can be not so feminine, and maybe you're more of a, a tomboy, as we used to call them. And certainly, I was. I was more interested in um, being active and being outdoors than I was in um, all the things that that my friends were interested in. So most of my friends were boys. So I guess if I was growing up now, I might I might wonder, am I am I transgender? Now I don't I don't actually think I I ever was. And I don't think the majority of girls perhaps who are coming into that awareness of themselves and might identify that way are actually, and we've seen a lot of people going through that and then coming out the other side because it's such a difficult time to be making a decision for the rest of your life. And, and just to allow that these things are malleable, that they move over your lifetime. And, and I would also make the point that identity is a negotiation, really. It's, it's what you, it's not just what you say you are, it's how other people perceive you as well. And, and that you can't change, you can't, you can't make others um, see you in a certain way, unless you kind of act in a certain way, and you prove to people over a, a certain length of time that they can trust that about you. And so um, identity for me isn't self-declared it it is something you construct over a lifetime through experience through learning it changes if I look at the person I am now very different to the person I I started as um, I can remember I was very much I used to live in London a big city uh, I was very much a city girl I loved London I can remember saying uh, if I ever end up in the suburbs <laughs> you know my life is over kind of thing guess where I live now? Well, I live in the suburbs. You know, I don't even live in London anymore. It became too overwhelming. So things have changed for me over time. Um, I still have much the same personality, but I'm not as needy of expressing my identity over and over. You see, because labels are only one part of who you are. They're not everything and they don't solve any of your problems. You know, um, so if I label myself, it might temporarily give me uh, an explanation as for why I feel the way I do, but it doesn't solve the underlying issues. If particularly you have, you're struggling with anxiety, you're struggling to feel like you belong, um, that you have meaning in your life. I think identity should be something that you work towards rather than just apply like a ready-made suit. Um, and you have to kind of learn how uh, you, to express that identity in a congruent way and congruence is really important and it's something that we can't possibly know when we're 15 16 it's although we believe we do of course I did thought I knew everything um, but we don't know ourselves that well and we may be terribly insecure in fact and that was something brought back to me actually by being in contact with someone who knew me when I was that age and um, saying how you know super confident I was and um, how he always looked up to me and thought I you know knew loads of stuff and, and you know I was really bright etc and I was like well that was what I wanted to convey but I was often terribly terribly insecure about who I was because I'd grown up in a, a, a situation where I was supposed to know the answers to things so I was good at pretending I did so um, I did apply myself. I, I was good at being academic, but, you know, that isn't everything about me. And it it was a great sacrifice as well, because I, I lost my love of music at that point. Um, I stopped playing music. 
Uh, I stopped drawing. I stopped doing art, which was part of who I was as a child. So identities are malleable. They 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 are constructed. They are negotiated within the social structures you find yourself in. And luckily, I didn't have the sort of social media pressure that kids today have to kind of conform. Uh, and even though we had a very a kind of binary world, I guess, um, I never felt actually inhibited by that because I knew that there were there were ways to construct an identity that didn't absolutely go to each end of the spectrum, could, but could be somewhere in between. So you could be a masculine woman or a feminine man, and that was okay. It was accepted without having to label it. And I think that's the important thing. And in my last video, I was talking about... Um, the diagnosis when you have a diagnosis of a certain illness and in, in many ways that's a label you know it's a label that medicine gives you to construct uh, an identity of what you're suffering from so that ideally you can have a solution it doesn't always lead to that and it can actually be a very traumatic experience when you get a diagnosis of any kind particularly when it's long-term chronic or you know um, something that you're not going to survive so I do feel like belonging is a really uh, not it's it's the unmentioned thing in all of this dialogue that we hear in the in the culture wars. You know, all of us seek to belong and belonging is is not something you can manufacture. You can't make yourself belong. It's a sort of unconditioned uh, acceptance of who you are. And it usually occurs. It should occur in families, but it doesn't always Hence, uh, therapists like myself are very busy, um, but it can occur in, in your friendship group. It can occur in maybe after school clubs, things that you love to do in your sport, for instance. You can find belonging there. And belonging is this unconditional acceptance of who you are without you having to prove it or uh, perform. And I think the nature of performance is really interesting. Now, that came up this week working with somebody who was talking to me about how um, how strong the, the, the will to perform had been in her to be the happy one, the, the, the laugh a minute, the joker in her friendship group, because things at home were not that easy. And so it, to mask that, she would just make light of everything. And she realized now that she's a lot older how much effort and how much energy that took to keep that going that performance when really in reality her her she's sad you know her emotions are not happy um she is struggling and and when you reach adulthood and you start to wake up to that and you maybe make different choices there is the worry that if you drop that identity will people love and accept you just the same will you lose the belonging and I think there's a great deal of fear around dropping something that you've adopted at great cost. Now, you can see the parallels with what's happening now with young, uh, young people and, and how this kind of um, the gender identity debate has been going. You know, that, that maybe you adopt a, a, an identity because it seems to fit. And then as you get older and you kind of know yourself better, you might feel, well, um, that doesn't fit so well now and you'd like to change it, but you might be stuck down a road, particularly if you're taking hormones or um, you're having reconstructive surgeries that, that you can't reverse or there's too much shame around reversing because that 
need to belong is so strong. It will hold you there, even if it's against your best interests. So, you know, it is a great missing dialogue, uh, the nature of belonging. And it's one that I want to address more. Uh, I'm writing a book on it at the moment, which working title is Outsider, um, because that's how I felt growing up, you know, on the periphery of things. And I know that there's a lot of young people growing up that way too. And maybe it'll be good for them to hear an older person who's come through that because, you know, we need we need a, a range of voices here. Just young people going through it um, are going to be, you know, very upset, very passionate. We need the voice of reason as well. We need people who've come out the other side and found other ways of expressing themselves that don't require such huge shifts that are going to be lifelong and you know potentially quite damaging um the other point i wanted to make is about how uh illness if if you do find yourself getting a diagnosis of any kind or or, or suffering kind of um some condition that kind of strips you of your identity so let's take the example of my client who got ill and, you know, she saw herself as this fun-loving workaholic person who did the job she loved and suddenly her body is telling her, we can't do that anymore. And it takes away all your energy. That's the nature of chronic fatigue syndrome is that your energy levels go right down. And as hard as you try, you can't push through it anymore, right? The harder you try, the more you crash. That's the nature of that condition. And you repress your emotions because that's what you've always done. That's why people get chronic fatigue syndrome. It's not it's not a random thing. You you get that because you're not expressing yourself. Um, and the message to your cells is we're under threat and therefore we have to actually reduce your energy output. And that's called the cell danger response. And it's it's perhaps not so widely known in medicine, but it's very well known, uh, I think, in the circles that I move in. So if you lose your identity because you can't perform like you did, whether it was in a relationship or at work, then you find yourself adrift because you've no idea who you are anymore. And that's certainly what happened to me. And it is a frightening prospect if you're doing that on your own and facing that on your own. And if any of you are listening right now in that situation, please, please understand that you will come through this. But it is a scary time and it can be very anxiety producing when everything you've believed about yourself before suddenly becomes untenable. Because we often uh, we often attach to what we do to our identities in ways that are not healthy. And therefore, when we lose them, whether through illness or puberty or um, maybe a relationship breakup, um, then we are we are adrift because we don't have a substantive base in our bodies to understand who we are. We don't have that connection with ourselves, the grounding, as I like to call it, that says I am here and I'm OK. And even though what's happening in my life right now is is distressing, I'm going to be OK. And it took me years to find that because I didn't learn how to ground in my body. I was very dissociated from my body. So um Making meaning, I guess, is is what illness can often force you to do is, is to find out who you are at a deep level. And that's not just taking on a label. It's it's exploring yourself in very deep ways, in ways which might 
feel very uncomfortable at first. You know, I found out that actually I was very highly sensitive to my environment and very highly emotional, although I didn't express it. So you would never know. Um, and just being aware of that has meant I've had to reframe my life to fit me rather than the other way around. So I've dropped the performance um, to some extent. I probably still am performing, but, you know, you have to when you're in a professional role. But in my personal life, I very much stripped that away and, and learned to ask for help and learn to say I don't know when I don't know things and um, not be the person that I was pretending all the time because it is totally exhausting and so um i would just say to you if you are exploring these issues please reach out to others but go to people who maybe have been challenged like this themselves and come out the other side because your friends and family are not likely to understand what you're going through um great if they do and some people have the benefit of of you know family members who really get them but many people don't. And sometimes it's wise to go externally and find people who have been challenged themselves because there's no better learning in life than, than challenge and, and finding ways to kind of come transform that into something powerful and positive. So that's my take on identity. Obviously, I've kind of touched on some themes. I haven't explored them. That's for the book, really. Um, I might do another talk on perhaps more aspects of, of sexual identity, because I think that's another really important area. But for now, that's all. Take care of yourselves. Be good. Be kind. See you soon. Bye bye. Hey, hope you enjoyed listening to Rebel Health Radio. Do subscribe and look forward to catching you soon.